0: Hello, and welcome to Love Monday's Club podcast. I'm your host, Helen, and I'm here to help you unravel the mysteries of marketing so that you can get more eyes on your business and make more sales. This is the ultimate podcast for online female business owners who are ready to conquer their overwhelm, discover their confidence, and unlock the secrets to marketing success. Whether you're just starting out or already running a thriving business, Love Monday's Club is your compass to navigate this ever-changing digital world. Each episode, I'll bring you valuable insights, expert interviews, and practical strategies to help you stand out in a crowded online marketplace. It's time for you to dream big and succeed. I want your Mondays to be overflowing with inspiration, excitement, and setting the stage for you achieving your dreams. So if you're ready, cozy up in your favorite spot and get ready to unlock your business potential. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Love Mondays Club podcast. So today I am joined by a very lovely lady, Sarah, who is my friend and fellow English teacher in the education space. So I've asked Sarah to come on the podcast today because I think she has such an interesting story to share with us all about how she started her own English tuition business and how it's been running now for two years and has truly grown and gone on leaps and bounds. So what I'd love to do, rather than myself do the introduction, I'm going to hand over to Sarah, say a big warm welcome. And Sarah, would you like to just introduce yourself to the listeners? Thank you, Helen. That's
1: a very nice introduction.
0: So I was
1: head of English in a prep school for four years, and I left to set up Aster Tuition, which was intended to be initially just me tutoring English online. And it then grew and changed into something completely different, which is a great thing. Um, but yeah, my background is in teaching. I was a teacher for 16 years in a range of different schools.
0: Amazing. Excellent. So really interesting. I think the first thing there to pick up on is you said that you decided to go straight into online teaching rather than doing any face-to-face. Why was that? I think that was one of the
1: benefits probably isn't the right word to use here, but it w- it, it was a, a consequence of the pandemic. So when we all shifted to online learning and our school was, was really quick, off the ball with this, it became very natural to then sort of segue into online teaching. Prior to the pandemic, I think parents would have been a little bit resistant to that. And certainly it was just expected that I would drive to people's houses, which I was doing and not necessarily conscious of the costs of that and the time involved, um, which sounds silly now reflecting on it. So yeah, online teaching was definitely a deliberate move because I knew that it was something that had been proven and that we'd done it during both lockdowns and it worked really well. And the parents were very receptive to that. It just became something that was expected.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I'm such a huge advocate for the whole sort of online teaching side of things. Because like you say, I think All of us were guilty of this when we first started doing tutoring. We were driving here, there and everywhere and never factoring that actually into the cost of like the service we were providing. And actually when you broke it all down and divided it up, it's like, oh, I'm actually you know, really not earning much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: that's exactly what I did do. I think my partner even kind of said, Sarah, if you look at this, you're, you know, you're out for five hours and you're charging for two. And I was like, I not really thought about that. Yep.
0: <laughs> and of course, the problem is like with the nature of the business that we do, a lot of the teaching is sort of, I would say like it's in that rush hour period, isn't it? So I just remember sitting in so many traffic jams, getting so stressed, like, you know, studying Google Maps as I was trying to sort out my timetable, thinking how long can I, I realistically think it's going to get me from A to B. So I don't know about you, I don't miss those days.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And I, that was definitely me. You know, I'd be racing around Greater Manchester, um, trying to get to my next client's house thinking, oh my goodness, this is just, yeah, it's not, it's not great. It's not good for, it's not good for you. But also it's not great for the T when you arrive, you know, slightly harassed and, you know, conscious of getting to the next appointment or, or, or getting home. And, you know, I'm sure this is true of, you know, many teachers and tutors that I already at that point had worked a long day. You know, that also had an impact.
0: Exactly. It's a ridiculously long day, isn't it? So, yeah, definitely. I think we can agree online business is the way forward. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I think another question to ask about online business, because I hear this so much talking to people is, even though you started your business kind of like not, I mean, it was two years ago, so we were kind of still in a bit of lockdown pandemic time, weren't we? Then it was a funny time. Did you get much resistance from people in terms of online? Or have you found that people actually been quite keen just to dive into that straight away? Looking
1: back now, I think there was possibly maybe two families who weren't keen on it and said, you know, they'd rather have it face to face at their house. And, And I just said, well, let's just see how it goes. And actually, it only took one or two lessons and they and they came around and said you know what it actually does work you know my tutees were really happy with it they didn't see a big difference to me sitting in front of them or me sitting in front of them on a screen and that's the main thing they didn't feel that they were missing out at all.
0: Yeah I totally agree and th- I mean this is what I sort of say to lots of people who talk to me about it is like just get people to give it a go because I think half the time we don't know what their experiences were before like you know some schools were great at it Some, maybe not so much. And so if those parents have had those bad experiences, there's just the assumption, well, that's what it's going to be like, isn't it? Um, And if anything, I actually think online is better because, you know, how often, especially with one-to-one, have we had that student turn up and be like, I know you've got a lesson planned, but actually I've got something totally different to ask you today that I want you to help me with. (laughs) Oh yeah, that happened many times to me. (laughs) And and that's the thing, isn't it? Like face-to-face, it's like, well, I've only brought these resources with me. But online, of course, we've got like, you know, as teachers, we've got folders in folders in folders of resources that we can suddenly pull up. So it totally is how to sort out your resources. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, so I think one thing though with your business is it's very unique. And that's why I really wanted to sort of get you on the podcast today and chat about it with us. So can you tell us about sort of how your business evolved from, initially doing this like online English teaching to kind of what you're doing now? Yeah,
1: sure. And I think, um, again, I've reflected on this a lot recently, particularly with sort of the big changes that have happened. So I was tutoring online, mainly to students in Cheshire and Greater Manchester, and a few scattered about in and around London. And then I think things changed a little bit when I focused more on exam preparation. So 13 plus and GCSE, because they were kind of the, the biggest areas for me. And I started to use social media more up to that point. i had been relatively resistant for lots of reasons. It's not just not something I'm particularly comfortable with using. And certainly sort of my personal social media I use very reluctantly. I began to just make forays into, you know, what social media could perhaps bring to my business and kind of growing beyond word of mouth it was at this point that I was thinking you know I think there are some opportunities for me here to go beyond just me because parents would come to me saying do you know any good math tutors do you know any good science tutors because you know they, they had that trust in me it started off very much as a sort of a tentative approach and very quickly I was working with other tutors and other subject areas and beginning to use platforms like LinkedIn more and you know, reaching out to people. I taught a couple of Chinese students face to face, and they were absolutely fantastic, incredibly diligent, hardworking, very focused. And the parents have been very supportive of me. And I realized that, that was probably an area that I wanted to focus on more. And I managed to secure a, a Chinese agent who wanted to work with me, initially with one student, and now it's Many tens of students, and I think that was the moment where I thought this is where I want to focus my energies. So I made it really my mission to secure different agents, predominantly from Southeast Asia, where I could you know, work with their students, generally speaking, to get them into schools in the UK, into boarding schools, and then support them as they go through their GCSEs. And because I already had other tutors working with me for different subject areas, it was then quite easy to offer a kind of a comprehensive service.
0: This is the thing is that your, your business has boomed in the past 2 years and i guess my understanding of it now is you kind of have like two legs to it almost there's sort of the agency side of it but also like your international client side and of course the, the two sort of mix together as well so just for people listening because i think for for a lot of us this is kind of a whole new world you know sort of understanding like how to reach these markets and things what is an agent what do you mean by that
1: agents are basically the middlemen and they support families who are looking for a UK-based education, whether that be just trying lessons initially or whether that's to come to school in the UK. So they kind of hold their hand through every step of that. So they will find and recruit tutors and any other elements of the support network they need. And then they will be the sort of the key person that places those students in schools in the UK. So that's, that's pretty much their, their sort of
0: remit. So how, like, for example, if you're working with them, does it work almost like you're working for an agency or do you still have quite a lot of autonomy in, in the whole situation? Yeah, I still have a lot of autonomy because of my background, the fact that
1: I worked in a boarding school. I've got accreditations with the Boarding School Association, which kind of shows my expertise and knowledge. And I have two children at boarding school. So I've got the kind of parental background. So the agents tend to come to... Me and ask my thoughts because of my background knowledge and sort of expertise in that area. So often they will come to me with a pupil, and I will give that pupil an assessment. Usually it's English, Maths, Cat four to give me an overall idea of their academic potential. Uh, Sometimes they have schools already planned out, in which case I will give my suggestions and then put together a a, a sort of a tutoring plan for that child. Other times they'll say, "Look, we're not sure which schools would suit them," so. And I would come in with the advisory and consultancy arm of the business and give them some suggestions based on my knowledge of the schools and also the child's academic and sort of, you know, general profile. So I will meet with the students first and have a few, sort of brief discussion with them so that I can see where they would probably best thrive based on all of those factors, plus then the parental expectations in terms of geography. You know, do they want to be 30 minutes away from Heathrow Airport? Because then that rules out quite a few schools. It's something that has evolved over time with the agents I've worked with it tends to start off with a little bit of tutoring and then the more they get to know me and my team and you know they see what we can offer the services tend to grow from there. Do
0: you feel like this kind of corner in like of the industry that is kind of exclusive to the whole sort of boarding school side of things or would you say that maybe tutors who don't have as much experience with that there's still a place for them kind of with working with international students?
1: Yeah no absolutely I think you as with anything you just have to do your research and your I had a big advantage in that I knew that sector already, and I had a good understanding of what parents would be looking for. And I had already—I was familiar with the exam system, so the thir- you know eleven plus, thirteen plus scholarship, etc. So that did help. But I think you know you can absolutely get into that side of things. I've trained tutors to work within you know my business in order to fully support international students so yeah it's it's definitely doable.
0: Again I talk to lots of people and they sort of say to me oh you know I'd like to get into 11 plus stuff but I don't know much about it and I think that's the thing isn't it like you can go away and learn this stuff there isn't like a secret secret to it all that you have to be in in the know. (laughs) (laughs) No absolutely not. (laughs) Amazing good stuff well that sounds so exciting and so much potential there do you find them because it's international students that a lot of it's daytime work as well?
1: Yeah and this is the real draw I think both for me. And it was one of the, you know, one of the reasons that I originally wanted to get into that daytime market. There was obviously the angle that so many of the Chinese students I supported were, like I said, incredibly hardworking and focused, which was brilliant. And I sort of got my energy from that. But also this realization that actually, I didn't have to just tutor in the evenings and weekends, which I think is a certainly a long held expectation amongst tutors that that's what you have to do. And I quickly... Realized that I wanted to have evenings and weekends more to myself and to be with my partner and my family. So, yeah, it was definitely a driving factor in looking for more families and agents to work with so that I could then work in the daytime. And that's why I went east as opposed to west because of the time difference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 100%. This, I think, honestly, for so many tutors I've worked with and spoken to, this is kind of the holy grail of tutoring, is if you can get that kind of daytime work. And I know so many people try and explore the homeschool market, which has lots of challenges. <laughs> and, you know, I think one of the main things for so many people is is the financial side of it. You know, it's, it's there are of course varying degrees of these things, but I, I mean, did, did you ever try and explore the sort of homeschool market? Was that something you looked at?
1: No, I didn't really. And I think it's only in probably in the last few months where we've seen just how many students have been affected by the the pandemic and are now you know out of education or being homeschooled that you know those those figures have just become quite staggering and it's only recently that I think that's that's something that's been guess on my radar. But by that point, I was already committed to this, this international market. And that's, you know, my niche. And I kind of fully have invested myself and the business in that. So I don't want to kind of start exploring other avenues and diluting things.
0: Putting more things, more plates for you to spin. (laughs) Yeah, and I, you know what? I
1: I do that a lot already, and I think there's just so there's just there's a limit to how many plates I can effectively spin and keep functioning. <laughs>
0: yes, we can all relate to that. I think I think it's a really good thing to do in terms of like like you say you you've kind of got your niche basically. You've got the people that you work with, and you're really focusing on that because I think sometimes when we run our businesses, and I see this so often when it comes to like marketing and stuff like that, like you said, I love the word used diluted because of course the problem is the more different things we bring into our market marketing, the harder it is for people to actually understand, well, what do you actually do? And I think kind of finding that one thing and really sticking to it can, and I think you're the proof of this in your own business, make your business explode and grow so quickly because you just become the expert in that area, don't you? I
1: think, again, benefit of hindsight
0: I didn't know that at the outset and I was trying to
1: appeal, perhaps unknowingly, to lots of different types of families and markets and countries. Whereas, you know, what I've started to see over time is that it's much, much easier and more, you know, strategic to focus your marketing on the area or the sector or the country that you're trying to get work from. But that's something that's taken a lot of time and effort and, and investment and, you know, in support to ensure that I'm doing that effectively.
0: When we first start our businesses, it's so easy to kind of want to be looking for that silver bullet, isn't it? You know, almost like where's, where's the playbook to business? Like where's that secret code that just tells me exactly what I should be doing. (laughs) But like, you know, Every single business owner, I think me and you can both totally relate to this, what we're saying here and everybody else we've spoken to, nobody gets it right at the very beginning. You know, it it is one big experiment, isn't it? I think for me, it's just about having the courage, courage to experiment and give things enough time for it to work out but also having the courage to just pick something and really go for it.
1: Yeah. And I think courage is the is the key word there. I think you really have to, you know, take those risks, whether that be financial or, or you know, any other risk. I certainly had to do that. I, I decided that that was what I was going to focus on at, you know, and I did turn down other contracts and other opportunities because I knew this would be, the way that I wanted the business to go and to grow. And therefore, I had to focus on that, you know, relatively exclusively, because as you said, I've already got two arms to my business. I've got sort of Tuition, which is very much supporting with English support, predominantly UK clients. And then I have the agencies that I work with internationally. You know, it could easily become something that's unwieldy. And then I've lost everything.
0: That's the thing, isn't it? When you try and talk to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. <laughs>
1: Yep, and I have learned that the hard way.
0: Haven't we all? So speaking of marketing, because you know this mainly Love Mondays our podcast. That's what we talk about so much is marketing and sort of the confidence to put yourself out there. So you mentioned earlier when when you were talking about how your business started growing that you started using LinkedIn a lot. So tell us a little bit about your your journey with social media and how that's evolved for you and your business. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think to start with, I it was clumsy and haphazard and chaotic, and there was no plan behind it, and I would post. On a on Facebook on a Monday, and just go, Oh, nobody's looking at it, and then maybe remounted it on a Friday. And it was, you know, at best, you know, I I, I it was messy, and, and, and at worst, it was probably close to pointless, really. So, there was a lot of that, and initially. I just thought LinkedIn was where you put CVs and I sort of hoped for the best. And I think LinkedIn has really changed in the sort of 18 months that I've been properly using it. I've seen a massive change in it and all for the good. It you know, it took several months, and again, I have invested in in excellent support, and that's made a real difference. So everything that I put onto social media is planned well in advance, and there's a strategy behind it, and there's a focus behind it. So whether that be preparing for boarding school interviews, preparing for the 11 plus, or showing how I can support families from start to finish, all of it is planned. And all of it is much more tailored and therefore effective. But I do have different sort of strategies. So I don't post the same things on LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn is about attracting international agents and recruiters so what i post on there is very different to what i post on instagram which again tends to predominantly attract a uk audience i have started to get some interest from uh, the middle east and a few from southeast asia and then facebook is very much um for me has been uk based so there's yeah real difference in in each of those platforms but it's taken a long time for that for me to understand that evolution
0: so I was talking to somebody about this actually inside Love Mondays Club the other day, and we were talking about how like with social media, I think back in the day, you could kind of just pick one platform, go for it, make make it your thing you really focus on. But it does almost feel like now you kind of need to have your fingers in different pies, but doing also slightly different things with each of them. I totally agree with you about LinkedIn becoming a much nicer place <laughs> in the past few years. You know, during that pandemic time, I know for lots of people, Things like Instagram and that suddenly became their worst nightmare because, of course, that's when Reels was introduced. The lovely simple picture post went out the window and all of a sudden all the dancing and pointing started. But equally over on LinkedIn, I think because we were all working from home, it kind of took away a lot of that that corporateness from it, didn't it? And suddenly people were posting more personal things. And yeah, it's, it's really evolved, hasn't it? But there's, I don't know about you, I still feel there's still that feeling of like, is this a Facebook post or a LinkedIn post? And if you know you go to, oh, too close to Facebook, people will get annoyed. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that, that still is
1: something that I will ponder now, when I'm sort of clicking submit, I'm thinking, do, is, is this right for, for LinkedIn? So I don't think there's, I don't think you ever get it, completely right. I'm sure people would disagree with that. But I certainly, there are times where I'm not entirely sure, but I I generally have a sense of what will work where and what will appeal where. And again, I, I do track the engagement and things have changed according to what people react more to. But there's definitely a sense on LinkedIn that you can a bit more about yourself can creep in and 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 the feedback I've had is that is that people seem to like that they like to see that that other side as well
0: it kind of goes back to almost like what we were saying about the whole business side wasn't it? like business development like with social media it's just about experimenting and kind of not also overthinking it too much like if you put the post out there and it doesn't get the engagement you're hoping for sale of it disappears out to sea you know in a few days time off the feed and then you try a new one and like you say tracking Engagement—it's probably just the number one thing to do to see what's working for or not for your audience.
1: Definitely, and I think again to start with, I didn't do that. It was just you know I felt like I was speaking into the abyss and not really knowing who I was talking to or what I wanted to say. You know, my messaging was all—it tended to be a little bit confused. I think whereas now I feel like it's much, it's much slicker. It's much more focused and. I have much more confidence in what I am saying, you know, it's definitely grown in the last probably 18 months.
0: And it does, doesn't it? It comes with time, the more you put stuff out there, the more confident you become with it. It's, I think, how true is this in business? Like we don't just wake up one day and be an expert. And like I say, there's no secret playbook we found that told us what to do. You know, it's just, you just got to give it a go. (laughs) But I think as well,
1: like, you know, I speak to lots of teachers who, uh, I'm not necessarily talking about myself, but you know, other people. And they will often go on social media and say, but you know, I can't do that. Or they have a huge audience, or they have lots of different things that I don't have. And actually, it's, you know, what they haven't seen is probably the two years prior to that, where they've tried, failed, given up, come back again, gone and asked other people what their thoughts are and reflected. And and that often gets missed, doesn't
0: it? Those those messy stages? Oh, 100%. And, and that, that's kind of the thing, isn't it, with social media, like we everything you have to take with a bit of a pinch of salt, because it is a highlights reel, ultimately. And again, we all know this when when you kind of speak to people about their businesses and things, there's not one person who hasn't like, you know, done that post that totally failed or done the post they decided to delete because actually it wasn't a good idea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's me, yep. definitely yep. me,
0: <laughs> particularly with videos, actually, oh, but we will not talk about this. No, we <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's keep experimenting. But the most important thing, and I think this is, again, proven for your business, isn't it, that you've just stayed consistent and you've kept, like, putting stuff out there, experimenting with it, seeing what works, and that, I would say, is one of the, like, the biggest ingredients for success when it comes to the marketing.
1: That's something I've really had to learn, though, because I am um, – you know, by nature quite impulsive and can sometimes try and do so many different things. And then, you know, I am one of those people who is distracted by shiny things and I will follow that and then never quite see it through. So I've really had to rein that side of me in and train myself to follow something through to the end and also make sure I I concentrate on fewer things but do them well. Um, But that definitely goes against my nature and, and anybody who knows me well will tell you that. But again, that's where I've sought you know the right people to surround me whether that be through networking or collaborations mm-hmm. or or investing in support it's helped me to Retain that focus and keep that vision really in my mind, I think.
0: I'm sort of sat here nodding along as you're saying this because I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, this resonates so much with the shiny object syndrome. For me, I will like put it in my calendar, being like, I'm going to do that on that day. And then when the time rolls around, I'll push it back a few weeks, push it back. So it's almost like it scratches that itch for me to be like, all oh, shiny thing I'm going to go try. But I don't actually distract myself too much with it and do it. <laughs> but the temptation is always there. Yeah, no, I think I might try that. <laughs> I have had Start YouTube channel in my diary for about six months now. Oh, <laughs> I okay. Back another two weeks. <laughs> I
1: like it. I'm going to do that, definitely. That's my takeaway for today. <laughs>
0: But I, but I think also as well, like a huge takeaway for everybody listening to this episode is, is what you just said there about like having almost that kind of self-discipline to stick with something and get really good at it as well and, and not jump from thing to thing. Because like what I see so much people coming to me, talking to me about saying, you know, my marketing's not working or social media's not working. But like we say, when you jump from thing to thing, you're almost never giving it a chance. You know, like everyone starts from zero. It is a hard slog. It does take a lot of hard work in the beginning, but it's almost like just that initial hurdle you've got to get over. And then once, you know, once the kind of ball starts rolling, it, it, you, you can pick up momentum.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, I think just you know, to add to that, there is definitely, and I can probably pinpoint the moment more or less where I'd been putting so much time and energy into the business and I just felt like it wasn't growing and it was just, I just felt like I was stagnating. And actually, I could have probably walked away at that point and got a job you know back in a school because I was starting to think well you know I need I need this income and again you give that up when you leave a school because there is that um you know it's irregular in terms of your your income stream you know at that point I had a decision to make and you know I did ponder it for some time and I just thought no this is what I want to do this is what makes me happy I love it I'm going to persist and and I did and thank goodness I did because it's been brilliant but I totally get it when people say to me you know i I just don't think it's working because it is sometimes sort of the instinct is to, is to stop.
0: Do you know, I, I really love what you just said there about that kind of pinpointing that moment. So it got me thinking as you were talking there and I thought, you know, I can pinpoint the moment as well for me, where for me, it's more though, where social media suddenly really started to work for me. And I don't know about you. And, and I'm going to say something here. and You're going to be like, no, Helen, and maybe jump off this <laughs> 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 but for me, it was video. I remember when I started doing video, things just took off for me for my social media. Whereas your thoughts on video? Uh, well, I,
1: yeah, I'm not keen, but I totally get what you're saying. And actually people want to see you. They want to get to know you and trust you. And I totally understand that. It, it's not my preferred way of, of communicating, putting myself out there, but which is ridiculous because during lockdown, I would perform every week online in our school assembly, usually dressed up as a character from a book, because that's what my head teacher encouraged me to do. And I would interview, you know, amazing children's authors dressed in ridiculous costumes. And hundreds of people would watch it. And I didn't bat an eyelid. And yet the minute that I thought I'm going to have to do a video, I just thought, oh, no. And I and I would record them and re-record them. And actually, eventually, I just thought, you know what? No, I'm putting this one out there. It doesn't matter. And at that moment. And and people didn't message back saying, oh, goodness me, Sarah, what do you look like? And what are you wearing? And what on earth are you talking about? Nobody cared. And the people who messaged me were interested in the lessons because, you know, the one thing I get time again is, my goodness, you're so enthusiastic and you're so passionate about what you do. So it was worth it just for that reason alone. So I totally agree with you. I just agree reluctantly.
0: (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, do you know what? We, we could we could literally now talk about video and the power of it in our marketing for the next half an hour. But let's move on to one of our last questions I wanted to ask you. So I think one of the main things is lots of people listening to this, I reckon, are going to be very inspired by your story and what you've done and definitely interested in finding out more in terms of like the daytime tutoring, and sort of how you built your business. So what advice would you give to people who may be looking to get started? And I know you've also got something that can help people as well, personally. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I have. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing, it's easy for me to say this, but,
1: you know, don't be afraid, even if it's just a tentative start at doing some online tutoring and um, joining a tutoring business or a tutoring agency to give you that kind of taste of what it might be like because lots of the big businesses do have um, links overseas so it is you know feasible that you can get that work but I definitely would just say start off and see if you enjoy it because it might not be for you begin to perhaps be more of a critical user of social media. So look at what other people are posting, look at the responses they're getting, and look at what people seem to be wanting online. Because a lot of the time, you're just watching other people and learning from them, you know, and I have notebooks full of, of of notes where I was looking at experts on LinkedIn, watching videos, you know, getting lost down a rabbit hole of reels on Instagram and seeing, okay, this is what seems to be working. This is what people seem to be looking at. And, and you know, and just that sort of little foray into it, I think is a good is a good starting point for anybody.
0: And I think that that's the thing, isn't it? Taking inspiration from different people, cherry picking, because like, like you were saying, videos maybe at the moment not something that you love doing as much and look whilst I will always beat the drum about video I think it's also important to remember like it's not the only way to market yourself and actually like you say I I follow a couple of people on LinkedIn I know who are amazing their writing is so good it's so engaging I barely see a photo of them never see a video of them but you know they know what they're good at they have their craft and it just works so well for them
1: yeah and I agree and you know there's, there's a couple of, of Chinese agents who found me on LinkedIn And there are no videos, I think, of me on there that I can think of. There are a few photos of me, but generally it's me talking about British schools, boarding schools, English, a tutoring journey. And that's what they came to me for. And that's what they seem to have liked. It hasn't necessarily been me sitting there saying, you know, who I am or what I do. But in terms of your other question earlier, sorry, I sort of leapfrogged over this. You know, one of the things that I... I'm really passionate about is helping other teachers and helping other tutors. And a lot of the questions I get and the, you know, many of the ones you've asked today are how can I do it and what do I need to be able to get to where you are? And that's one of the reasons I set up Astra Academy, which is what I'm launching in September and is a 12 week program designed to support teachers and tutors who want to set up an internationally minded business. And it's basically me mentoring teachers and tutors to go through all of the steps that I went through to get to where I am today and including a lot of things that I did wrong because I think it's just as important to hear where people messed up and what they learned from it. But the idea is I'm trying to give them that kind of accelerated growth. So what I did in two years, I'm trying to go through in, in, in 12 weeks. So that's kind of the next, I guess, iteration of what I'm doing is, is to support those people who are looking to work in the daytime, and appeal to an international market. So, yeah.
0: Amazing. That, sound, that sounds like such an amazing opportunity for people. I think, I don't know about you, Sarah, when, when you're designing these things, because this this is what I feel with marketing and social media, when you're designing it, you sit here and think, God, I wish someone had told me this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? The amount of times when I was writing this
1: program and I thought, oh, yeah, I just wish there'd been someone holding my hand at the outset so that I didn't spend six weeks chasing agents in a far-flung country only to find out that none of them are interested in the UK education system and why did I bother but you know that and other many many other mistakes that we do not have time to talk about but yeah I I wanted to be that person who holds their hand in a way that I just I was really on my own for such a long time yeah and I really I really felt that at the time
0: I totally agree and I think as well like I think you and I are both open advocates of like investing in your business, getting support. I mean, that's how we met. We met through, you know, programs we invested in to help us with our businesses. So this is the thing. And, And I don't know about you, but I would genuinely say that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for investment in people who were just a few chapters ahead of me, who just kind of opened the door and showed me a different way of doing things.
1: Yeah. And I, that is exactly how I feel that this idea of, you know, some of the people I've invested in have been streets ahead of me in terms of where they are perhaps financially and, and where their business is. And others have been, you know, a little bit ahead of me and actually both have been incredibly helpful to me and have really helped me to shape my business and, you know, where I want it to go. So it's, it's so important, I think, to have those mentors or guides or coaches or, or, or whatever. I think they they were integral to my business development and my sort of personal development as well without a doubt
0: definitely and I think confidence as well that was a that was a huge thing that's sort of grown from these investments is just the confidence you have and going back to the word we had earlier like courage having the courage to do these things because you've got someone behind you just you know I I I, the way I described someone the other day I said you know when you watch those bungee jump videos and you see the guy (laughs) they just (laughs) push them up a little nudge off you go um, yeah but that's it. sometimes we need a shove
1: <laughs> yeah more often than not i think i need a big running jump but yeah i, I totally get what you mean and, and and for me it's that plus someone holding me accountable and sometimes that's that's what i need and i think that's helped me to you know to become, I guess, what I am today.
0: I say that like I am at the end of my journey, and I absolutely not <laughs> I have so much you. I want to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> amazing! Oh, well, thank you so much, Sarah. Honestly, I could sit and chat to you for the rest of the day about all this, but um, I've really appreciated your time. It's been such an interesting conversation. So, um, for everyone listening, what I'll do is I'll pop all of Sarah's uh, links in the show notes as well, so links to her LinkedIn, social media, and Sarah. I believe you are also running a webinar, aren't you, as well soon about this? Do you want to tell us a quick? detail about that? So on the 7th of August
1: at 7pm, I am holding a one hour webinar where people can come along and listen to my journey and what the 12-week program looks like through Astro Academy and ask me any questions. Um, so yeah, please do come along to that.
0: It would be great to see you all there. Fabulous. So if you're listening to this episode, um, the episode's coming out 31st of July. So if you're listening to the episode today or just for the next six, seven days, the link to sign up to that will also be in the show notes. Otherwise, if you're listening to this in the future and the 7th of August has already disappeared, I still highly recommend getting in touch with Sarah because as she says, this is not the end of the road. I'm sure there'll be more <laughs> to come. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Helen. Perfect. All right, Sarah, take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Love Mondays Club podcast. Don't forget to review and subscribe or share this episode with one of your business friends. Have a great week and I'll see you next Monday.